Thank you for listening to this production from New Life Presbyterian Church. If you'd like to find out more, visit newlifepca.org. Romans, the greatest letter ever written. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar, my name's Eric Mowry. I'm one of the ruling elders here at New Life. And uh, we've been going through a series on the book of Romans for about a year and a half. And as Bob mentioned, today we'll be going through uh, a section of Romans in Romans chapter 15. Uh, But last week we actually jumped ahead to Romans 16. And we realized that there were some notable characteristics about this section of Romans. It's a little bit different than some of the previous sections. Notably, it is much more personalized and intimate. For instance, in Romans 16, Paul commends individual believers to the church of Rome, mentioning them by name, noting specific details about their life and their service. In the latter half of Romans 15, where we are today, there's a similar tone. Paul is providing the details of his own plans for ministry, and for travel. So in the spirit of being personal, I figured I would share a little bit about my background. I grew up in Wisconsin, family of six, my parents, three brothers, and myself. For anyone that knows me well, you know that I love Wisconsin, the land of cheese, beer, brats, Lutherans, It's a really great place. I would recommend it to anyone. In fact, my mom and my grandma are with us here this morning as well, visiting uh, for the service from Wisconsin. Um, But just yesterday, actually, I realized that I haven't lived in Wisconsin for a full year in 16 years, uh, which is really something, the way that time flies. Of course, I've stayed a few months here and there at different seasons of life, but I haven't lived in Wisconsin for a full 16 years. And I have a picture of my last day from when I was in Wisconsin. (laughs) So here's a photo. I'm not sure if you can tell which one's me. Here's a photo from 16 years ago. My dad there is in the middle, my older brother is on the left, and I'm the one to the right there. My mom's the one taking the picture. Behind me is the home that I grew up in, and as you can tell, a lot's changed about me. I have no answer for the hair, other than that it's not a wig. (laughs) I guess some things that are amazing need no comment. (laughs) Um, in this picture actually we're saying a goodbye of sorts I wasn't heading off to school at the time in fact it was two months earlier that I had withdrawn from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and on this particular day I was taking a one-way ticket trip out to Hawaii I would spend the next few months living on the beach, sleeping under the stars, Lily, 
as I only had a backpack and a blanket, uh, being a beach, beach bum, hitchhiking around the island. And to many at that time, uh, I would have been considered carefree. In some ways, that's true. I was definitely adventurous. I was also in a pretty deep soul search at that point in my life. I was asking many questions at this stage about purpose, about meaning, about relationships. One question in particular stands out as maybe summing up the whole of that stage of my life and my soul search. What is life all about? What is life all about? I guess that all of us in this room have asked that question in some way, at some point in time. Sometimes it's probably when we don't want to ask it. The throes of a tragedy, lost loved one, a lost job, a newly discovered chronic illness. We might ask, what is the meaning of all of this? Perhaps your soul can even feel it day by day at certain times in life, waking up, what am I even here for? What am I even here for? There are others of us who will be at the other end of that question. We won't even realize it. We won't even stop to think about purpose and meaning in life. The busyness of our daily life has sent us into a relative carelessness about purpose and meaning. And we forget to ask, what's all this for? So today, we're going to be looking at Paul's purpose and ours in Romans 15, 22 to 33. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? It's Romans 15, 22 to 33. This is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. 
This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Father, please help us this day as we study your word, Jesus' name. As we read through this passage, we can note that Paul has two trips in mind, a trip to Jerusalem and a trip to Spain. Paul also references two types of blessings in verse 27, the spiritual and the material. Paul notes two facts, the lordship of Jesus Christ and the love of the Spirit when he appeals to the Romans for prayer. And he also makes two requests of different churches, one financial to Macedonia and Achaia and the other for prayer to the Romans. So today we're going to take a like approach, have two main points. From our passage, we're going to note that Paul's life is about coming and going under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Indeed, it is about gathering and going in the Lord Jesus. And these will frame the two points of our sermon this morning. So we're going to start this morning with going for the sake of the gospel. And if you have the scriptures open, in verse 22, Paul states, this is the reason why I have so often hindered from coming to you. Speaking to the Romans. We need to recall what we covered two weeks ago to understand what Paul is meaning by the reason he is hindered at this time. So reason number one, Paul is hindered. Paul has been traveling elsewhere. In verse 19, you'll note that Paul overviews for us where he has been. So that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why has Paul been hindered from coming to Rome? Well, he's been on three missionary journeys. Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum. So to help us understand a little bit of this context and show us some maps, these could be a little bit difficult to see. I'll go ahead and have some arrows here for us uh, to detail this out. And we're going to forego the details of these three journeys. But just to help us understand some of where Paul is at at this point, I want us to see that here's Jerusalem, the bottom right-hand corner, and he's heading all the way over to Illyricum, he says, which is northwest of Berea. So here we have Berea. Paul has actually made it northwest of Berea. The total distance of that travel is about 2,500 miles. Paul's done three missionary journeys at this time. Two of those journeys, he's made it all the way over to Berea. Two of those journeys have been 2,500-mile trips. This is all by foot, by boat. He's done it all in the last decade. So the third journey that he takes, which goes to Berea, is about a five-year-long journey. And after he's in Berea, he heads south to Corinth. And it's here that it's suspected that Paul sits down to pen a letter. And in the intro to that letter, he states to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. And with the help of Tertius and under the inspiration of the Lord, he writes the letter to the Romans that we're reading today. 
And in chapter 15, verse 23 of that letter, in our context today, he says, I have longed for many years to come to you. So Paul, and actually beyond that in 24, he says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. So Paul's actually heading up here to Rome, other side of the known world at the time. So here's Paul, been traveling the last 10, 10 years, covered over 6,000 miles, or about 6,000 miles during that 10 years, all of it by foot, all of it by boat, probably about 50 to 55 years old at this time. He says, I'm going to southern Europe to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rome, which is there, I know that you're there. I've heard of your faith. I've heard of the proclamation of the gospel in your midst. I can't wait to see you. I've longed to come to you for years. Here are all the people I know by name. I know specific people in your congregation by name and the work that they do. I am so eager and excited after years to come and see you. This brings us to the second reason that Paul has been busy, that Paul has been hindered from going to Rome, that is. He's been exceedingly busy preaching the gospel and planting churches. What has been Paul been doing on his travels between Jerusalem all the way up to Illyricum? In verse 20 and 21, Paul tells us his ambition and specifically states what he's been doing. And his ambition is this, to take the gospel to the Gentiles and more specifically to individuals who have never heard of Jesus Christ. He emphatically wants people to know Jesus and for churches to be started. This is what going for the gospel is in the life and ministry of Paul, to preach the gospel of Jesus to those who have never heard. For the last 10 years, he's been on extraordinary journeys all over the known world at the time. So oddly, his hindrance from going to Rome, he starts our passage saying that he's been hindered. His hindrance from going to Rome is that he's been going other places. His hindrance from ministry in Rome is that he's been ministering in Galatia, ministering in Ephesus, ministering in Thessalonica, ministering in Berea and in Corinth. He sees the whole purpose of his life wrapped up in the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's been so busy over the past decade that he says in verse 23, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, I plan to head your way. Can you imagine that? thousand miles in a direction, no room for work. I've been busy planting churches for 10 years. thousand miles, city after city, location after location, places that had never heard of Jesus Christ. Churches, churches, churches filling up so that people are hearing about the Savior. And Paul's saying, 
Next is Spain. An incredible work. Friends, we would be amiss if we didn't ask, what is Paul's gospel? What is he teaching as he is traveling from Jerusalem to Illyricum? Let's start by saying this. The sum of the gospel is this, that we who are sinners, dead in our trespasses before the Lord because of the work of Jesus Christ and his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, we belong to God. And God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit belongs to us. So as we read the word of God together this morning, let your mind wander to the gospel that Paul was preaching. Christian, to you belongs the eternal Son of God, Jesus Christ, who for you and your salvation took on flesh, condescending from heaven. To you belongs his obedient life, and by his obedience we are made righteous. To you belongs his crucifixion and death. He was delivered up for our sins. He was put forward as a propitiation by his blood. We were buried with him by baptism into his death. Do you despair that maybe you don't maybe that you aren't good enough to belong to this God? Remember the words of Paul that while we were still weak, indeed, while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. More than that, he was raised for our justification. Christian, to you belongs his resurrection from the dead. If we were reconciled to God by his death, much more shall we be saved by his life. And now you can count yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. For you are no longer under the law, but you are under grace, and grace will lead on to eternal life in Jesus Christ. Indeed, even his ascension into heaven is for you. He is there at the right hand of God interceding for you. He is Lord of heaven and earth and he has set his love and affection upon you. All these things and more are yours, Christian. This is Paul's gospel, city to city. And it is good news for our souls. Not only this, to you belongs the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, indeed, the very breath of God, that wind of heaven, the third person of the Holy Trinity who dwells in our very midst. He sheds abroad the love of God in our hearts. He is our spirit of adoption. 
He testifies to our hearts that we are children of God. By him we pray. Indeed, we even cry out, Abba, Father. More than that, he too intercedes for us in our weakness according to the will of God for us. As the Apostle John has stated elsewhere, he is the well of living water overflowing eternal life. All these things and more are yours in the gospel that Paul is preaching. This is the good news. You belongs heavenly Father. He dwells unapproachable glory with angels around his throne day and night crying holy, holy, holy. By him all worlds were created. All epochs and times ordered under his sovereign will. But he didn't only set times and seasons and places. He also plotted our rescue. To him belongs the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, after all, the gospel of God. He counted Abraham righteous by faith. More than that, he did what the law could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He gave us his son. Through him, he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters. Indeed, his affection, his love for us is so sure, church of God, that nothing in all creation can separate us from him. He is absolutely the fountain of all grace and peace. Let your affections brim full with love, the love that our God has for us. All these things are ours. This is good news for our souls. His free gift is eternal life to you in Christ Jesus. His free gift is the forgiveness of your sins. Look to Jesus today by faith and be saved. How good is a Christian. How good it is, only though, God belongs to us, that we belong to God. We are his by creation. We are his by redemption. He's purchased us with the blood of his precious son. And Paul went city by city, place by place, under the calling of God that was confirmed by the church, and he preached and he heralded forth the righteousness and the gospel of God in Jesus Christ. Praise God for our brother Paul. Paul be pleased the gospel we preach this morning. More than that, may our Lord Jesus receive honor. For those unaware, we are actively working on a church plant in the downtown Muncie area, and we've called Josh Hollowell, 
who many of you know, to oversee, plant, and pastor that effort. And I recently received permission from Josh to announce that the church has landed on a name. I gotta be careful, I don't wanna say the wrong name here. (laughs) The City Hope Fellowship. And we are thrilled at what our God will do and what he will accomplish through this effort. So more information is going to be forthcoming on that name and, uh, and, and also the group that is going to be going from New Life to plant that church in downtown Muncie. But I can't help but think that we have other question, another question that's posed to us by our text here this morning. And that question is, is where are we going next? Paul preached planted churches for 10 years, city after city, location after location. And as we hear of City Hope Fellowship, you know by the will of God, there will be people in Muncie for the first time ever feed on the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. City Hope Fellowship. Do you know some people at the church will learn for the first time ever their sins are given, that their name is written in the book of eternal life. Know that people from across ethnic and racial lines will be reconciled to God, brought into fellowship with one another. Do you know that our Savior, seated on his throne in heaven, received great honor as his church grows and expands out more and more people brought in to bow their knee to him who deserves all honor and glory. This passage certainly challenges us. Where will we be going next in life? We should also be asking, who? Who is our next minister of the gospel that we are sending out? Where is our next overseas missions going to be? We have missionaries in Australia. Where next? What location will the Lord send us to to continue in the spirit of Paul preaching the gospel in location after location? Who is the next person that is going to trust Jesus Christ for their salvation and come into fellowship with God because of his work in our midst. Most likely, these people are in this room right now. Maybe even today, God's beginning a work in someone's heart. We'll continue to grow the salvation of many to the glory of our Lord Jesus. Father, we ask you pour out your spirit on us that you would make it so. We ask as well that you would fill us with a generous spirit. His gospel, brothers and sisters, is generous to the ends of the earth as exemplified in the ministry of Paul. Are you able to look at the gospel and say it's worth every cost? We have been given a heavenly purpose, Church of God, to declare the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness, and into his marvelous light. So now that we've 
made it about through our first point here. Let's go ahead and just recap. Paul the Apostle has been traveling for the previous decade or so of his life, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentile nations. And he is going to Spain. And on his way, he's stopping in Rome. But before he goes to Spain, he's making a stop off in Jerusalem. And this brings us to our second and final point for the day. That is, gathering for the sake of the gospel. You'll see in verse 25, we have Paul saying, At present, however... I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. If you recall the map, it's an awfully peculiar route to take to Rome. It's about a thousand miles out of the way. It isn't by plane, it's by foot. It will literally take Paul years of his life before making it to Rome. And not only that, Paul is called to be a minister to the Gentiles. So why? Why Jerusalem? We just have one point here on this one, and that is Paul wants to display the unity produced by the gospel. In verses 26 and 27, we read, For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings." See in those words how the gospel gathers people together. Here are these Gentile churches, and they are eager to help in whatever way they can these Jewish believers in Jesus Christ. Jews and Gentiles together by Jesus Christ. This is Romans 11 that we heard of months ago over again. It's the summation, but now we also see it in action. Paul is going to Jerusalem with a gift from the Gentiles. This gospel that Paul is preaching is a gospel that brings peace, peace with God and peace with one another. It's no surprise that he concludes this section saying, may the God of peace be with you all. In fact, this gift from Macedonia is spoken about in more detail in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. In 8, 1 through 4, I'd like to read just a small portion of that today for us. We read, we want you to know, brothers, this is 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 4, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction and their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed and a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Do you know that giving be a demonstration of the grace of God in your life? Not only that, in that context, we see that the gospel produces peculiar characteristics when it comes to our generosity. According to these few verses, severe affliction and extreme poverty resulted in 
abundance of joy and a wealth of generosity. In fact, it says the Macedonian churches begged earnestly to take part in the relief of the saints. Begged earnestly to take part in the relief of the saints. You ever beg to give? Have you ever been so touched by the grace of God? Have you ever said, whatever I can do? You want my money? Here's my money. You want my time? Here's my time. You want my mouth? Here's my mouth. You want my hands? Here's my hands. You want my eyes and my ears and my thoughts? Here they are. When Jesus Christ saves you, he is good enough that he wants all of you. And he wants all of us. Life, what is our life all about? Do you love Jesus Christ, his bride, church? We have been the recipient of the generosity of God. God free us from our idols so that we too, like the Macedonians, can serve him in extraordinary ways that people would go about and say, I want to tell you about the grace of God that's in the life at the church, new life. One last way we gather as the band comes forward as well. So we must gather together around one another in prayer. Do you see Paul's request? There in verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that, I might, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and, refresh, and be refreshed in your company. And in the preceding verse before that he says, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Remember the way that Jesus taught us to pray? Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. It will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See that prayer in Paul's prayer? Paul's prayer request? Isn't that functionally what he's saying? Rome, pray for me. I finish my work, bring churches from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. I finish my work of preaching the gospel in these areas and proclaiming the lordship of Jesus Christ. Ask God that I may not be hindered in Jerusalem when I go there. Ask that my service there would be welcomed to the saints as well. Ask God that I might come to you and continue my work in Rome and ask him that I would be able to continue beyond you into Spain. This is what life is all about, friends. The honoring of God's name and the coming of his kingdom in and through the church of Jesus Christ. Ask God that it would happen. Plead with him for it. Seek his will and call upon his promises. He is faithful and he hears our prayers. 
So this time, would you pray with me together? Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful that you accept us through the work of Jesus Christ. We ask that this time of service was acceptable in your sight. We ask that you would pour out your abundant spirit on us. That we would have a vision similar to Paul's that would say, we want there to be churches everywhere. We want to herald the gospel of Jesus Christ everywhere. And we want Jesus on his throne in heaven be pleased at our work. We ask that you would now fill us with your spirit so that we could sing praises to you. In the name of your Son, our Savior, the lover of our souls, Jesus Christ. Amen.